This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the good folks who love to stir the pot. I'm Malcolm White here with Carol Palmer. We will be your hosts this morning. Food tells a story, and depending on who you ask, you might get a different answer about the same dish. The cookbook 50 Pies in 50 States talks about how some of the stories that occurred and how pie can share in all of its forms. Author Stacy Myung Fong joins us to talk about her journey across America through pie. Then we chat with the youngest guest to date on Deep South Dining. Sims Powell joins us, and he talks about his early passion for food and cooking at such a young age. And we look forward to that. Shoot us an email to food at mpbonline.org. Carol, good to see you. Good to see you, Mel. How about some pie? Yeah, I think we've got a pie theme going this morning. I know. Nothing wrong with that. Not one thing wrong with that. I had a lot of pie this weekend. Yeah, well, I bet you did, and I can't wait to hear about it. And, you know, I remember driving pies back from Greenwood for you. Mm. You would call me and say, if you're coming by, bring a pie, a a lemon pie. Lemon meringue pie. Lemon meringue pie. Uh, the Mockingbird. Mockingbird Bakery in Greenwood, no longer there, but the but the, transformed into the bakers Loblolly are now in Hattiesburg and yeah. Martha Foose and uh, Donald Bender, and Donald there'll Bender. be a pie in your future. I can see, I can see the mer- uh, lemon meringue. Okay, but first, Malcolm, I have been waiting, yeah, yeah waiting yeah. all weekend to hear about the trip <clears throat> to Pickwick Lake, the annual guy trip. And what you The ate. boys from Boonville. The boys yes. from Boonville. Yeah, we had a big time. We I went up Tuesday because I spoke at the Itawamba uh, County Library and uh, had a good time. We had a covered dish lunch at the Itawamba Library, and I spoke about foodways in Mississippi, which is one of the two topics that I uh, get to talk about on the Humanities Speakers Bureau which is a lot of fun. But anyway, we, we gathered up at Pickwick. The first night, uh, Bill Barnett and I drove straight to the Catfish Hotel in it's Shiloh. a great stop. Yeah, in Shiloh National Park. I, I believe you must tell our un, non-North Mississippians about the, it is not a hotel for catfish. <laughs> that is correct. It is a restaurant, but uh, it is called the Catfish Hotel. It's on the banks of the Tennessee River inside the Shiloh National Park, and it's it's very historic. It's been there a long, long time. This is, I think, the third building, or at least the second. Uh, it goes way back to a log cabin, uh, and it serves some some mighty fine catfish and hush puppies. It has one of the weirdest coleslaws I've ever eaten. In what way weird? Well, it is served dry. It's just chopped cabbage and uh, carrots in a bowl, and in the center of the bowl is a plastic uh, container with a sweet, orangey, uh, kind of sticky sauce, and you add it yourself. So you make your own salad. And it's super sweet. It's very weird, and I love it because it's so weird. 
Well, you've always loved weird things. I, I can't imagine this sticky, sweet orange sauce, but I, know. I, I trust you on that. And <laughs> well. Also, I'm married to someone from Alcorn County, so I've heard much about the Catfish Hotel, although Legendary. I have never been there. Ah, it is on well, my bucket list. need to fix that. They have some of the best bone-in catfish on the planet. They use this little... So fa- that's like channel cat? The, well, I don't know if it's farm-raised or local. I have a feeling it's farm-raised because they sell so much of it. And the fish are so precisely uh, Uniform. You know, similar. So the ones that I get are the bone-in, and they're like five to seven-inch little fingerlings. And you get like six – no, I don't think. I think we've got four per order of the whole fish. And the tails and the – you know, it's all crispy and beautiful. And it's it's uh, So you can crunch the tails. Yes, of course. Of course, of course. But anyway, big meal at the Catfish Hotel. Uh, later, uh, I think that was on Tuesday night. On Thursday, we had fish again. We went to Ledbetter's Boat Repair and Fish House. I like it. And there you can buy fresh Tennessee wild-caught catfish. And so we had a catfish fry uh, that night. for That was catfish dinner. No, it's two. Ledbetter's on the Mississippi side? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. On your way to Eastport. Marina, okay. uh, which is just outside of Iuka, yes. headed toward the lake. So we had a, a beautiful meal. We made coleslaw. It was different than the one that we had. At the Did you make Hotel. the coleslaw? Did you make house coleslaw? Well, I made Mal's. Uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't have all the ingredients for Hal's, but it was uh, a different type of coleslaw, and it was quite tasty. And we had some hush puppies that uh, my friend Tommy Cadle, who prepared them, referred to them as Ed Shaw's Hush Puppies. So, of course, I had to ask about that. Ed Shaw used to run a catfish restaurant on Pickwick back in the day. I'm, I'm sensing a theme, catfish. Of course. Theme. Of course. We're on Pickwick Lake. We're on the Tennessee River. Uh, so Ed Shaw had these famous Hush Puppies, and they were famous because he cooked them with sage. So they were like Thanksgiving dressing in a coleslaw, in a hush puppy. So we had Ed Shaw's sage hush puppies. Delicious. Delicious. Mm-hmm. And then we began having um, a conversation about foods that are native to northeast Mississippi. Uh, we talked a lot about the Weeks Burger, famous of Corinth, then Boonville. And now known as the Slug Burger. Now known as the Slug, named after a nickel, which was what they called a slug back in the old days. You could get a hamburger for a nickel. And what's unique about it is that the meat is extended with soy, uh, meal, other extenders, so as to lower the cost of the burger. And it was a Depression-era thing where you could get these Slug Burgers, Weeks Burgers, Dough burgers, they were also called. So that's very unique to that part of the world. You'll find that in Corinth and Boonville and New Albany and a few other places in northeast Mississippi. But there's this other thing uh, that I've always been curious about. I didn't remember it as a child, but as this group of guys that I was with, we began to reflect. There was always an Italian beef 
place in Boonville? Do you know what an Italian beef sandwich is or what they call Italian you beef? You know, I mean, not really. You're spending so much time in the Delta. You know, we have the Delta Italians, the Sicilians that populated the Delta. But I don't know who brought Italian beef because, as you know, there's not there are not a lot of cows in Italy. That's right. Well, for whatever reason, this phenomenon there are th- there are two or three of these in Boonville and Corinth and other places up there. There's little holes in the wall, and often they serve the dough burger, Weeks burger as well. But it is a thinly sliced roast beef sandwich served with a jus and a particular sauce called a Jardinera sauce. Do you know the Jardinera no, sauce? I do not. Sim, you ever heard of the Jardinera sauce? Okay. Jardinera sauce is a lot like the olive salad that we see on the muffaletta, but it is a Chicago version as opposed to the New Orleans version. It is vegetables, olive oil, onions, peppers, pickles, things chopped up. And so this Jardinera sauce is served on top of the Italian beef sandwich. Well, of course, just as you were saying this, of course, I jumped onto my favorite browser and see that there are all sorts of commercial versions. Millions. Of it. And, and usage. And one is called Chicago sauce. Yes. Yes. So according to my buddies who grew up in Boonville, they say that growing up there, there were a lot of people who came from Chicago and a lot of Boonvillians who went to Chicago for work. So there was this migration of foods and this Italian beef sandwich was one that ended up in northeast Mississippi as a result of a lot of people working in Chicago and discovering the Italian beef sandwich in the Jardinera sauce. Says it made its way to Chicago in the mid to late nineteenth century with the surge of Italian immigrants, most of who are from Sicily. And nothing is written about how they ended up in Boonville in northeast Mississippi, because I looked through that and tried to figure it out. But anyway, it happened and there it is. Uh, if you're up that way. And again, a lot of times you can find the slug burger and the Italian beef sandwich served in the same shop. So what else did the boys cook, the Boonville boys well, we had, put on the stove? Well, we have steak night, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we make homemade French fries and we carry on that way. Uh, there, we had a certain kind of steak marinade that one of the guys, Phil Abernathy, insisted that we use that he had learned at a cooking uh, exhibition. And you, uh, you, 10 minutes before you grill the steaks, they have to be rubbed in vegetable oil with white pepper and salt and nothing else. So that's how we make the steaks at Pickwick, because one of the members of the group insists that we do it that way. So we have sage hush puppies, a certain type of marinated steak. And then we go to the Catfish Hotel. And then we go out on the boat and we fish a bit. But typically, there's too many of us to be serious about fishing. But Tom Massey and I, we, we take a shot at it. But anyway, we have a beautiful time. It's a great, it's a little warm, but it's a, a great time on the lake. And for those of you who've never visited Pickwick Lake, it's a, a great asset to the natural beauty of the state of Mississippi. And it joins Alabama and Tennessee. It's a fascinating place out on the lake where you can actually step into the property of all three states. 
sounds like a grand time. Yeah. What about you? Do you need anything? Well, I mean, I have I have nothing that that can certainly compare with that. I, I really was hoping you would be home this week, and I wanted to call you about the risotto that I made. Uh, my husband John cut out a recipe from the Wall Street Journal with a lump crab meat risotto. Hmm. And, you know, I I thought about it all week. He thought about it all week. And when I made it, I mean, you couldn't even taste the crab meat. It's one of the things, Mm. you know, crab meat to me needs to be highly seasoned. It kind of blended in with the risotto. It was kind of a waste of expensive crab meat. I mean, it was good, but not, not spectacular. But, you know, risotto is a labor of love, adding... That ladle full of stock, uh, yes. you have to wait till it's absorbed. And, a lot of stirring going on. Yeah, John couldn't understand. He thought I was just you know, making rice and mm. just, you know, a lot of stir, 45 minutes of stirring going on. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. I had a good time. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I had a good time, and it was was okay. But I I saw a lot of crab dishes this weekend on our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping. Uh, But it just... You know, the next morning when I used more crab meat, I seasoned it a lot before I put it in an omelet. And got a better result. I, I saw your omelet result. on yeah. Cooking and Coping. A crab meat John's omelet. John's big breakfast. Yeah, looked good to me. Yeah. We had huge breakfast on the lake, too, which I don't normally eat breakfast, but we we had Jimmy Dean's country sausage one morning, <laughs> you know, being rednecks that we are. All right, now we have uh, a special guest joining us via Skype. Um, Stacy Mayong Fong, I mispronounced her name in the opening segment. I apologize for that. We are so glad that you are joining us. This is an immigrant's love letter to the United States through pie. And you've published this book of uh, 50 recipes from 50 states. I think it and a project. I understand you started all the way back in 2016 and now it has come to fruition. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Where are you physically? Where's where's headquarters? Physically, physically I am in my tiny apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, boy. Long way from home. Is that where the pies were baked? That's where all the pies are baked and all the recipes were developed. Well, excellent. We're so happy to have you on. I I was telling the group before we went on the air, one of our listeners, and I'm going to have Java share this story. One of our listeners sent us your book. And we were so happy to receive copies of it. I was so excited. I had to make a talk up in Iuka, Mississippi this past week. Mm-hmm. And I used your book as a door prize. So some lucky person in oh Iuka, Mississippi is cooking pies from your book. I love that so much. And I feel like that's like the most wonderful thing about pie and why I chose pie as like my medium to explore this country is that Everybody loves pie. <laughs> no one hates pie, you know? Yeah. If you meet it's someone true. who hates pie, you don't, turn you, and run. Yes, turn and exactly. run. Exactly. You don't need to know them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Java, tell tell us about getting the book. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a real neat story because this is, it never happened, I guess, to me in my producer career. <laughs> we, um, 50 Pies, 50 States is the, is the title of the cookbook. And you did an interview, Stacy, with um, WBUR's Here and Now program, which we air at noon here on MPB Think Radio. And then we had a listener who listens to Deep South Dining send us 
not one, not two, but three copies. Three copies <laughs> of oh of your book that Just, she personally bought. She personally bought. I don't think she has any, you know, stake in the game other than just right. being an avid MBB listener and a fan of yours. Um, because on the little note card that we got um, with the uh-huh. books, it was basically I heard this um, author on here and now. Thought you might enjoy the books. Thank you for being awesome on Deep South Nine. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that so that, and, like, and her really name is Debbie. Debbie, I hope, Debbie, I hope yeah, hope yeah. you're you're listening. We we would like to to thank you. Yeah, if she's if Deborah, if you're listening, feel free to call in. But um thank you for being the you know, the catalyst for this interview. <laughs> yeah, and if if I ever make my way to Mississippi, we all have to eat pie together. Yeah, you know yes, we will set that's that up. not a problem. <laughs> So, Stacy, how did this journey begin? Tell us about your cookbook and how this idea uh, began to, to work for you. So I started this as a project in about 2016. Um, I was in the process of applying for my permanent residi- residency here, which is a green card. And I thought it'd be really fun while I was doing a lot of paperwork uh, to get my visa process done if I learned about the country that I've chosen to call home through Pi because I think pie is like the most American food ever. And I feel like oftentimes when you travel, people like will go to Portugal and Italy and stuff and like want to eat all the food and discover new things through food. But people rarely do that in their own backyard. Mm. And I decided to take it up a notch and give the pie to someone that I knew from that state. as kind of like my token of affection. Like I'm a girl that loves a rom-com. So this is like my grand gesture to the people that have made this country my home and the country that I love so much. Yeah. And what she's referring to is there's a recipe. There's a little uh, narrative uh, for each state. There's a recipe for a pie that is selected to represent that state. And then there is a a, a person that you honor who uh, like and then there's a drawing. Did you do the artwork as well? I did it. My wonderful illustrator, Shelby Warwood, who's based in Austin, Texas, she did all of the wonderful illustrations that you'll see in the book. If you get one available wherever books are sold. And um, yeah, it's it's just like I wanted everything to be and look kind of like old community cookbooks, like vintage community cookbooks, but feel a little timeless. So, yeah, well, it's a beautiful book. It is a beautiful book. And I love that little uh, that little piece where you sort of shout out to someone in each state who you've, I guess, it's met or you knew. How, how did you connect all these people? So I met a lot of people when I went to college in Savannah, Georgia. And I used to spend a lot of summers here in the States because my dad worked um, in hotels. So we would come a lot like on vacation. He would be, of course, on business. But me and my sisters would be, you know, running amok. So... <laughs> <laughs> we kind of like kept in contact like I've kept in contact with so many people because I moved around so much as a kid so all these like tiny connections that you make are really important at like making you feel grounded or feeling at home so yeah it's really nice that I get to like compile it all together and I get to share all these stories not only for these like fun pies that I've made but for all these for me to share the stories of all these wonderful people I've met along the way well, in this book, you honor your Southeast Asian heritage with pies from Singapore and Indonesia. Why was this important to you? So I kind of saw it as like, you know, those are it's like going on three dates with me, right? Like you needed to get to know me a little bit first before you decided to 
go on a 50 state road trip with me. So I thought it was important for you to figure out like what I was doing first and who I am. And then you're like, oh, she's pretty cool. I would go on a road trip through all of America with her through Pi. So yeah, <laughs> that's why I decided to do that. And also it was like fun to share flavors from every place that I've lived. So you travel to every state or not? Not yet. Okay, I'm but you're working people. on it. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it. I have a little scratch-off map that every time I hit a new state, I scratch it off. i driven through Mississippi, not spent time in Mississippi. So that doesn't count. So I still have to spend time in Mississippi. Right. Well, it's a beginning, and we hope next time you'll stop and have some pie with us. Yes, I definitely will. So during your research for this book, did you unearth why apple pie is considered the great all-American pie? I feel like for me, I I love apple pie. I even bad apple pie is still good when it's warm with ice cream on it, you know? <laughs> and I feel because it brings the most comfort. And for me, like all the pies that I did for each state, I'm not saying that that's like the be all end all for that state. It's kind of like just my fun interpretation. Mm. And if like you disagreed with what I did, I'd love to know what you would have done instead. But yeah, I feel like American is apple pie is mainly because like apple pie is like very stable. It's very dependable. It's the pie you take home to introduce to your family. It's not fast and loose. Uh-huh. It's, you know, uh-huh. it's, you know it's going to be good. And you know, it's going to be like the one that you marry at the end of the day. Right. Yes. I don't want to bring a fast and loose pie. <laughs> no, you don't bring a cherry pie. No, no, no. Cherry pie is a Friday night. Oh, so, yeah. Cherry pie is fast and loose, girl. It's, yes, yeah, it, exactly. it is welcome. Okay, so, 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 what was the most delicious pie that you made from the book? I'm going to pin you oh down here. You cannot make me pick. That's so hard. I feel like... I'm not going to pick the most delicious, but I'm going to pick the one that was one of the most meaningful, which was the pie I did for New York. You know, I've now lived in the city for this is my 13th year. It's That's a long time to live in one place and the longest I've ever lived in one place. And so for New York, I knew it had to be really special. So I made 150 um, mini apple pies with the coffee cake crumble. And I threw a big party for all my friends that lived here, gave some of the pies to like my favorite provision store, my yoga studio, like all the places that make a city that can make you feel so lonely, feel like home. So yeah, New York was one that was like very special to me. Okay, now Malcolm, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite pie? Hmm, I would have to pick peach, though it's really hard for me to pick peach. I love chess pie a lot. (laughs) But I see that you selected the Mississippi mud pie for us. Yes. And why is that? I was reading all this history about, like, how the Mississippi mud pie came about, and I found it so interesting. And I'm not – I don't know. This is going to be very polarizing, but I am not a big chocolate lover. But this pie made me rethink that whole situation. Hmm. We had a Mississippi mud pie this past weekend, and it is super sweet. For sure, but uh, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you got. Like I will say this: so you got to like chocolate to go you gotta on like a date yeah. with a Mississippi mud pie because it's multiple <laughs> layers of. Cho- I mean, you have yeah. chocolate crust, chocolate pie, chocolate topping. What do you think, Java? Java, what's your favorite pie? 
Oh man, I am a I am a tart guy, so I like I like a lemon, um, like a lemon ice box. Um, but I'm also I I can't believe I'm saying this. If I was like my younger self, sweet potato pie is my is my go to. Well, that is a <laughs> really great yeah pie. southern southern yeah. pie. It's a sweet savory. I'm all pie. about it. Now I like a sweet potato pie filling topped with. Pecans, so it's a pecan pie, oh, sweet potato pie. The mix, yeah, yeah I'm with Get that as well. Love the crunchy, and, yeah, love the yeah, crunchy. Yeah. Well, my favorite is coconut pie. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Not one thing wrong with it. In fact, I did a story for Delta Magazine some years ago on the best coconut pie in Mississippi. And, and the what winner, a journey, what a journey that was. And the was. winner is? The Crystal Grill in Greenwood. With the meringue. The meringue is, is so is high. It is high as a kite. Yeah, yeah, it, okay, it is. I, I think that's where we have to go when I come to Mississippi. Okay, well, that's, that's <laughs> I, I what we're going to do. I love coconut pie. Yeah. <laughs> Now, some of your pies featured in your book are savory pies. Talk a little bit about Idaho's pie, for example. Yeah, so I wanted to include some savory pies in the book because I grew up in two British colonies. So for me, pie was more of a savory thing than it was a sweet thing. It wasn't until I moved to the States where I was like, whoa, like pies really run the gamut here. Like there's sweet pies, icebox pies. So for Idaho, I knew it had to be potato. And what's better than one potato than three kinds of potatoes? So it's a hash brown crust with a mashed potato center with a scallop potato on top. So oh it's basically my gosh. Like potato, <laughs> potato, potato. But it's so delicious. And for me, like, I grew up eating pies a lot, like, after sports games or, like, for dinner or, like, at a pub. So, yeah, I wanted, like, a little piece of savory to, like, counterbalance all of the sweet. Excellent. Sort of like, would you call a quiche uh, a savory pie? I guess so, Yeah. Hmm. Like, I feel like the pie I did for Brooklyn, which is based on my bagel order, is it leans quiche. <laughs> Tell us about your bagel order. So my bagel order is usually a poppy seed bagel toasted hard with scallion cream cheese, um, lox onions, and then I come home and slice lemons really thin with the rind on and put it in. So it, like, cuts the salty a little bit. But, wow. you know, if, if the bank account is feeling a little if the cobwebs are going over the bank account then i just get locks spread ah. not regular rot locks yeah right it's the it's the uh, economized version it's, of your exactly bagel. it's the champagne taste with beer budget one well tell us a little bit about how people can uh, be in touch with you follow you on social media and of course purchase your book of course, yeah. So I am 50 Pies, 50 States on Instagram. That's the best place to find out where I'm going on tour next, all book events, fun recipes that I'll post. And yeah, my book is available wherever books have sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all that good stuff. But I also encourage you to buy it from um, a local bookstore in your town. Excellent. That would be Lemuria right here in Jackson. We certainly appreciate you sharing your book and your 50 pies in 50 states with us. And good luck and stay in touch. And when you come to Mississippi, we're going to eat some we'll, pie. We'll have a lemon we're ice box pie. pie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we I'm are. So excited. Thank you so much, y'all. This was the best way to start my day. Thank you so much. Stacy May Yong Fong, the author of 50 states and 50 pies. Good luck to you. What a great, what a great concept, right? Absolutely. 
Well, today we have what we think is the youngest guest we've ever had on. However, the other day, the woman from Two Dog Farms did bring in a 10-year-old. Hazel. Hazel was with us. Malcolm, I have one question before you before sure. you start. What were you cooking when you were 13 years old? I was making sugar toast uh, for breakfast and uh, probably cooking uh, a Robin's. That we would shoot. Well, oh, that you would shoot. Okay, well, I was, was making craft macaroni and cheese out of the oh, box. You know, where good. you sprinkle the dried cheese. I do. All right, so Sims Powell is with us. Sims is 13 years old. He attends school at Bailey APAC. He's focused on the visual arts. He got interested, according to his bio, uh, when he was only four or five years old. Uh, his family uh, are from the Philippines and from India, so he comes from fascinating stock. He loves to shop at Mr. Chang's, at the Farmer's Market on High Street and Valdez Market, and Patel Brothers. Um, he cooks almost every day. He hunts, he fishes, he gardens. He has two gardens. He maintains one uh, with his uncle and another one at his former elementary school, Casey School, which is an arts-based school that we worked with at the Arts Commission. And I knew that they had these raised beds garden out there. So he and his mom, Joy, have kept up the gardens at Casey School. And his Instagram handle is at Tiny Chef Sims, S-I-M-M-S. And I want to welcome you to the show, Sims. Thank you. You know, we were talking about pies in the earlier segment you got a favorite pie do you like pie i love pie my favorite pie is probably a really good pecan pie there you go brown butter bourbon pecan pie do you make said brown bourbon pecan pie yeah good yeah that was one of our questions for you because you know uh, following you on instagram you make so many very complex um, eclectic dishes and we were going do you bake you know do you bake too so you're a very well-rounded chef thank you i like how he um instantly said not just a pecan pie a really good pecan <laughs> pie i mean setting the standard That's from, right. from That's the top right. <laughs> so sim do you have a favorite thing that you like to cook i know it's a tough question but do you um since I like to cook so much and I like to cook seasonally, it's hard to answer, but I lean towards um, Asian foods like Filipino, Indian, uh, Korean. I love cooking Korean food. Hmm. Yeah, so, I saw that you make kimchi. That's quite a quite a production, and I was wondering if all of this Asian heritage, you had some Korean in there too. Nope, I just love Korean food and culture and so what is your favorite part of cooking in terms of whether you're gathering things to cook or uh, doing your your different ingredients or I mean what gets you going yeah gathering things to cook I love and sharing my food with other people and just trying out new flavors and different combinations See what works. And you're a forager as well, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, tell our listeners where you forage and what do you find when you are out and about. I actually forage right behind this building a lot for uh, chanterelles. Uh-huh. You got a special spot? 
Yeah. Okay, we'll keep it secret. That's what I was about to say. Wait a minute. Look at that yeah. like you're, you're, you're a little close to home. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right behind the building. Okay, yeah, we got uh-huh. some special things going on. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess it's just where people wouldn't expect it to be. Yeah. Now, recently you've caught uh, your fisherman. And, do you hunt? No, just, I'd like to do some, but no. Mm-hmm. But you recently captured a garfish, caught a garfish, and prepared it. Do I understand that correctly? Uh, I didn't prepare that one, but I have cooked gar in the past. Mm-hmm. And talk about uh, what one, how one prepares a gar. Well, they're really hard to clean because their scales and skin are really hard. Mm-hmm. So like, you have to, it would be like an alligator. Does it have that sort of texture? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very hard. Like you have to go get you know big garden pruners to cut it open. Okay. Um, they're difficult to fillet. I think that's why they're. Many people call them a trash fish, and mm-hmm. they just don't get eaten. But when I was fishing for gar in the Delta, the one that I kept while we were fishing, a guy came up to us and told us about his favorite recipe that was gar and gar gravy. Oh, and what's in the gar gravy? He didn't tell us. Oh, oh, well. Top secret. Oh, man, you got to learn about gar gravy. So where does one go fishing for gar in the Delta? I was just, there was this little ditch on the side of the road. It's probably three feet deep at max. Um, but there are a lot of gar and bowfin in there. And and what kind of bait do you use for the gar? I was just using little uh, crappie jigs for them. Hmm. But uh, when I caught a gar a couple of days ago, I was using um, some bluegill I'd caught just earlier. Oh, and that was actually you were fishing in downtown Jackson. Yeah. Now, what about carp? Have you ever caught a carp or fish? I would for a carp? love to catch a carp. They're vegetarians, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to catch one. But... Well, I've got a deal for you. We have huge carp in our lake out in Edwards, and they have become too prolific. So I invite some of them are up to twenty five pounds. We we think so. Um, oh boy! I, 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 will, I, see, I will invite I, you to. I see a carp fishing expedition yes, forming absolutely. here. This is good. I would love to do that. So, uh, <clears throat> besides foraging and cooking and fishing, <clears throat> Sam, I also know that you're an avid gardener. So, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I just. I don't know what got me into it. I just like plants, and my dad's a biologist, so that that would be a good yeah that background. Helped. But I just like the thought of growing my own food, and I mm-hmm. can grow stuff that you can't buy at the store. I really like growing heirloom stuff, right? And just really stuff that just can't find at the store so if you can't find it you just grow it yeah you also brought in a special ingredients beautiful bouquet of flowers this morning i understand you raised those as well yep we grow lots of zinnias and stuff um when i was nine and ten i would set up a little table on the side of the road from my grandparents house and sell the flowers and bake goods that i would make so. Smart. You're also an entrepreneur. Yep. Yeah, very good. So you prepared a <clears throat> dish, a meal for us. So Java and Carol and I are. I've already eaten most of mine. <laughs> it's grazing delicious. away. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's over with. It's done with. Good, good, good job, Sam. Good, Thank great, you. great job. Tell us, tell us what you brought us. 
I brought Filipino adobo, which is the national dish of the Philippines. It is a dish that usually has either pork belly or chicken, and it's cooked in soy sauce, uh, vinegar, lots of black whole black peppercorns, mm. um, and sometimes some brown sugar, but and bay leaves. It's a very simple dish mm-hmm. to make. Um, and my Lola, which is Filipino for grandmother, used to make it a lot and still does some. And I don't know, I just love it so much. Now, I would imagine that your families have had a great influence on your cooking. I'm sure you learned yeah. from your grandparents, grandmom, and grandfather. Is that right? Yeah, my grandparents have been a big influence on it. And my aunt and uncle. Um, have been a big influence as well. Mm-hmm. So your the nationalities are Indian and Filipinos. Can you name a few things that each of those uh, families brought to your to your palate? Things that interest you that maybe you got from one or the other. Um, for Filipino, I mean, I, I the food. I like how their food is very balanced. Like there's a lot of vinegar. And other flavors in their food. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's brought some stuff to my cooking. And for Indian, I just love all the spices so much. And I've definitely learned that you always have to stir fry your uh, fry your spices before you cook anything for Indian food. And where do you find your Indian spices? Patel Brothers. And where is that? Uh, out by the reservoir. Okay. You're not driving yet, so you must rely heavily on your mom and your aunt. Yes, heavily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam, I, I saw on your Instagram page that you were foraging near Asheville, North Carolina, yeah. which is a very special place for me. And you actually ate at probably my favorite Indian restaurant, uh, is Chaipani. And... Uh, yeah, they won a James Beard Award a couple of years ago, which was pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. And have, they have a line of spices now. And I'm wondering what you thought about Chaipani and if if you know about their spice company, Spice Walla. I didn't know about their spice company. Um, and I enjoyed their food. It was different from the Indian food I usually have. But I enjoyed it a lot. You know, that Spice Walla <clears throat> brand is available at Beans and Bananas. I know, and that's really cool. And, you know, they did. They have an actual s- spice named after our friend Vish Bot in Oxford. They sure do. They yeah. have that spice at Beans and Bananas. And, in fact, uh, my daughter Zita's, Zita has a cousin who works there in Asheville at the Spice Walla play the the mm-hmm. manufacturing plant. So I think that's probably why it's in beans and bananas. But anyway, they do have a whole line of, of spices that is available in Bellhaven. Huh. There you go. So you, you travel a bit and you, you tell me about some of the things that you have uh, enjoyed in your travels, places you've been and the foods that are native to those places. I've gone to the Philippines and India and then uh, most summers we go up the go out west and up the west coast and this summer we went up the east coast but 
in the Philippines, there were a lot. I I loved it so much because there's just so much fruit and seafood everywhere. My right. favorite foods. Fruit and seafood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What region of India is your family from? Gujarat. Okay, from Gudra. And so the uh, flavors of Gudra are very different from other parts of India. Can 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 you talk a little bit about that or, or add your mom or Ann own to, to do that? <laughs> yeah, we're we're talking to a thirteen year old who you would never know, but uh, maybe uh Aunt Nina can talk about that regional question. So in Gujarat, it's not really the food that you're accustomed accustomed to in typical Indian restaurants. Usually in Indian restaurants, you know, they're really saucy kind of foods um, with lots of curries, curry-type sauces. And in Gujarat, they're much more like sautéed vegetables. There's a little salty, sweet, and um, some acid to every vegetable. So, for example, um, we have okra growing in the garden right now. So we would sauté okra with some potatoes and mustard seeds, um, a little turmeric, and then you would add a little lemon juice, some salt, some sugar to give it a little, you know, brown up that okra. So a lot of the food, you wouldn't necessarily see that in Indian restaurants. Some of it maybe, but a lot of it is, you know, you're, you're probably having North Indian food at Indian restaurants. Right. Yeah. That, that's clears a, that, that's up. In, that does clear it up. Nina Parikh is a director of the Mississippi Film Office. She's also Sim's aunt. So mm-hmm. thank you for weighing in on, on that. And if you're curious about Mississippi's Film Office, you can go online, look it up. And if you want to make a movie in Mississippi, you get in touch with Nina. And I guess from there, it's uh, easy greasy. So, so go ahead. Carol. Well, I, I was going to say uh, I, I've I've seen uh, on your Instagram page you roast a lot of vegetables stovetop, and yeah. it it looks like you have some kind of a square something that you grill the vegetables on. Did I did I see that right? I was going to ask you what that what that was to blacken the um, vegetables. I have this square pan that we got from it's a very thin pan which is what I like about it because it gets hot really easily and it's good for charring vegetables like when you're making salsas or roasted pepper sauces um yeah well that's what that's what interested me because in the picture it looked very thin and I wouldn't think you know I I was going wow that looks like something really great and easy to do because I'm always thinking you have to put it on heavy grates or something and I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated it's also a great pan for making tortillas um but it's and i also it's not a pan that i care a lot about so if it gets all you know a lot of burn marks on it <laughs> it's working class whatever. you just you abuse it yeah. because you can yeah so in our dish that you prepared for us today i see that you have selected the chicken thigh are you do you have a preference of the cut of chicken when you cook do you find the breast difficult to deal with or what yeah i mean not i just i don't less i don't like as much it's less flavor in my opinion and it's easy to overcook and make it dry Mm -hmm. so you like the using the thighs yeah Mm -hmm. i like dark meat carol i do too i'm a dark meat dark meat person java yeah, I'm, I'm a dark meat guy. I, I usually give my son the breasts. He will devour that 
This <laughs> is pretty easily, but yeah, I'm a dark meat guy. In our home, it's I, I get the dark meat. Kara likes the. White yes, meat. well, in in my first go around in marriage, I was a dark meat person that married into a white meat family, huh. and it worked out well at Thanksgiving for me. You got the legs <laughs> and, yeah. the, and the thigh. And yep, it was it was an easy easy process. <laughs> Just give that to yeah, Carol. Give, give that to Carol. I did yeah. have a question for Sims yeah, though, man. because being being uh, I guess honestly, our youngest guest here on uh, Deep South Dining, who who inspires you with your cooking? Like besides your um, influences from your family, um, you know, do you have any chefs that you look up to or kind of aspire to be in their footsteps? You know, one day. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, Chef Hunter, who works, who is one of the head chefs at Ovi's, uh, I look up to him a lot. And at Sunflower Bakery, um, uh, Miss Paws, who is one of the head bakers there, I I look up to them. And they're and one of Ovi's old employees that is now working in New Orleans. I looked up to him. Hmm. So when you go into a restaurant or a bakery, are you comfortable sort of getting to know the people asking questions, or are you sort of yeah. timid about that part? Uh, so I can be very timid about mm-hmm. it, but my mom helps push me to do it, and I'm glad she does. That's a great way to learn, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking directly to someone who who has been doing it for a while. Do you have any of these so-called celebrity chefs or beard chefs or any of the – TV chefs that you look up to or watch? Do you watch these food shows? I used to watch Chopped a lot at my grandparents' house, but not really anymore. You've moved. You're too busy yeah. cooking. You've moved yeah. past the TV shows. Yeah, I was going to ask, what, do you have aspirations for being like on Top Chef, Top Chef Junior or something like that? But I think you're past the junior phase. You could go to the to the actual adults <laughs> and give them a run for their money, man. That might be a challenge, but well, I'm really happy that your mom pushes you or encourages you to talk to other chefs because by doing that, you're really honoring the person that you are are speaking with and. You know, and telling them that that what they do is important, and a lot of people in their jobs don't get a chance to talk about their work with somebody who really understands. And so, I just encourage you to keep doing that. Yeah. Do you uh, are you having uh, luck with balancing your school life, your youth, with taking on? this uh, culinary adventure i know you're also interested in visual arts yeah that visual arts is something i'm very interested in but with school i mean usually on weekdays i cook a lot less Mm. and or if i cook i'm just cooking something quick Mm. because i got homework and i can't stay up that late so do you actually prepare the meals for the family, or are you just cooking for yourself and just sort of experimenting? I and... cook for the family a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I just experiment, but usually it's just me making snacks for myself. Right. <laughs> it's funny. He said he makes something quick, but it probably his quick would probably take me like two days or something. Yeah. 
Well, you got to be prepared. You got to keep your mise en place ready to go. You got to yeah. have your ingredients. Uh, do you have your own refrigerator for your stuff, or do you have to no. share with the family? Have to share. But do you I do keep have stocks my own. on hand? Uh, no. But I do have my own little pantry. Ah, ah there you go. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Sims. It was great to have you, and uh, we want to wish you continued success in your culinary uh, adventures. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll continue to follow you, tell our listeners where they can find you and follow you around on social media. Okay. Is Tiny Chef... Sims. Sims at... Or is it at... It's just Tiny Chef Sims, at Tiny Chef Sims. There you go. Instagram. Yep. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.